I want to welcome all of you here today. My name is Paul Muma. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis. Thanks for joining us for this online service. And if you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with us. There's a significant body of water on the far western side of Israel, uh, separating Israel from Jordan. It's a, a body of water called the Dead Sea. And uh, do you know why it's called that? Because it's dead. I mean, it, that's, that's its name. It's dead, and it's dead because it's so salty. In fact, uh, nine times saltier than the Pacific Ocean, uh, it's the saltiest body of water on the planet. And because the salt content is so high, uh, nothing lives in it. No fish, nothing. But it's a big place, uh, 10 miles wide by 50 miles long, and it's beautiful to look at. But I can assure you that you won't see any sailboats or jet skis if you go there. There are no fishing charters or something sunset cruises, there are no vacation homes built around it, and most won't swim in it, but some will. Who would dare swim in it? Well, tourists, of course, as shown here. And uh, I had the chance to go to Israel a little while back, and uh, there's a picture of me in the uh, far right uh, floating uh, in the Dead Sea. And the really cool thing, again, about swimming in the Dead Sea is that you won't sink. Uh, because the salt content, again, is so high, you just float. And it's a really uh, pretty cool, incredible experience. But Interestingly, uh, there's a freshwater source that flows into the Dead Sea from the north. It's called the Jordan River. And the Jordan River begins up here way to the north, doesn't even show up on this map, in, in Lebanon at the, the base of Mount Hermon. Uh, it flows to the south uh, through the Sea of Galilee here near Tiberias, and then continues on southward until it finally reaches the Dead Sea. But that's where it stops. Like the, the Dead Sea has no other outlet. And so the fresh water enters into it, but has nowhere to go, all while the hot desert sun evaporates it little by little. Today, I want to talk to you about how to avoid becoming a Dead Sea sort of Christian. What's that? Well, it's someone who has experienced the powerful work of Jesus Christ in their life and yet refuses to be transformed by it. It's, it's what it's meant by uh, to be on the receiving end of, of so many of God's blessings, so much grace, but we, we struggle or we refuse to be changed by that grace. And so we receive and, and we receive, and yet we refuse to be an outlet of God's grace for others to experience. See, everything that you have, everything that you have in your life is a result of God's wonderful and amazing grace, which flows into our lives as we trust him each day as our savior, as our provider. But, but God doesn't bless us so that we can just accumulate things or so that we consume everything for ourselves. Like he blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And he blesses us so that we can generously provide for others too. In fact, his greatest act of generosity the greatest act that ever took place was when he gave his son Jesus. And because God gave first, he wants us also as his children to be a blessing, to be a source of blessing for others. And so today I want to talk to you about the motivation behind our giving. And I want to show you what God's been doing through our church and also what he can do with the collective generosity of our church family in the days to come. Uh, take your Bibles again, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let me just read our text text for today, if you want to follow along with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. 
In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich, that we might become rich. You know, the Apostle Paul started a brand new church uh, in this ancient city of Corinth, and he spent about a year and a half there, but eventually left and went on to other places. And he hadn't been gone long when he received a report that things in the Corinthian church had gotten a little messy, kind of become a circus of sorts. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I'm glad to hear that's true of them because I'm messy and we're all messy. I mean, our, our church family, we, we get a little messy at times, right? Like any normal church family is going to deal with some mess from time to time. But God was able to do some incredible things through this church in Corinth. And well, we're seeing him do some incredible things in our church family and through us as well. But anyway, this messy report uh, prompted Paul to write a series of letters back to the church in Corinth to help them. And one of those is called First Corinthians. And we spent a little time looking at 1 Corinthians last week. Um, the other is also called 2 Corinthians, and that's where we are today. And Paul, he wrote this letter, especially this second letter, as a way of reestablishing his commitment to the people of the church, but also to encourage them to take the next step in their faith, like to do something that had the potential to deepen and strengthen their faith and help others in a really powerful way. Let's look at those words again, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 7. Here's what Paul Paul says, but since you excel in everything, meaning, hey, I'm seeing some really great things in your life, in your faith, in your speech, in your knowledge. He says, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, he says this, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He goes on, I, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. See, when it comes to giving, Paul reminds us, he's going to emphasize this over and over again, that Jesus is our perfect model. Now, how? Well, Jesus gave up the comforts of heaven. He set aside the riches of heaven and he willingly came to the earth and he became poor for our sake, taking on all of our sin and all of our shame. Like he gave up everything and gave his life on the cross so that you through his poverty might become rich. See, Jesus became 
poor so that you and I could be rich. He gave his life so that you and I could have life. He died a horrible death on the cross. And God raised him from the grave so that you and I could enjoy the wonderful riches of his forgiveness and his salvation. Like we have been forgiven through Jesus Christ. I mean, if you've trusted the Lord as your savior, like you have the hope of eternal life now and forever because of the free gift of God that is available to us in Jesus. And the same God who gave us Jesus, the apostle Paul says this also about him in Romans chapter eight, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, get this now, he, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? See, God gives us life through Jesus Christ, the greatest gift ever given. And this same God who has provided for us in Jesus has also promised to provide for us in everything that we need. And sometimes that translates itself in homes and things like our apartment. Uh, he provides the clothes that we need, the, the food that we need to sustain us each day. He, he provides the resources to purchase fun things like vacations and Girl Scout cookies and new cars and Christmas gifts for friends and family. Like he's a generous God who loves to give and provide us with good things for all of his children. And so how should, well, how should we respond to his blessings and generosity? Well, God wants us to do what he did and what he does to be a blessing to others. Like we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to this world. And God wants his blessings to come into our lives and then flow through us and into the lives of others as well. And the more we understand that, like the more that we allow that to enter into our hearts and to shape our lives, to understand what God has done for us in Jesus, like the more we understand all that we've been given, like that kind of understanding is going to motivate us to be like Jesus, to love the way that Jesus loved. But the opposite is true as well. Because if we, if we fail to understand, if we forget what Jesus has done for us, like if we refuse to let the Holy Spirit move in our hearts and our lives, well, chances are that we're going we're gonna to look a lot like the Dead Sea. That while everything comes in, nothing goes out, and therefore there's no life in us. That we get, we get stuck. Again, the blessings flow in, but nothing flows out. Like Genesis, you, you can't experience the life-changing work of Jesus Christ in your life and not be changed. And not be transformed by that. Like if, if Jesus is really going to be the leader in your life, if he's going to be the Lord of you, like we're going to keep growing. You're going to keep growing in him. And, and that means you won't be able to help but be generous. Kind of reminds me of the story of Zacchaeus. Take Zacchaeus, for example. Like some of you have heard of him. You know him. He's the, the wee little man. The wee little man was he, as the song goes. Zacchaeus was a tax collector who got rich extorting money from others. And people hated him because of it. But personally, Zacchaeus was dying on the inside. But then Jesus got a hold of his life. And Zacchaeus experienced the riches of God's love and grace that the apostle Paul talks about here. And, and what was Zacchaeus response to it all? He gave, I mean, a big part of his testimony was he gave, he gave away 50% of his income to the poor. He also pledged to return as uh, four times as much as what he had cheated others out of. Like Zacchaeus had previously been mastered by the lure of money and all of its false promises about personal satisfaction and security, but it all changed with Jesus. Like Jesus got a hold of his life and changed him. And that new work in Zacchaeus prompted him to go out and to be generous with others. 
See, when you trust Jesus and you start surrendering every part of, of who you are to his leadership over you, like he's going to change you. He's going to change me and he's going to change the way we think about things like money. Um, or you can push back. Like we can do that. My, my flesh can do that. I can push back. I can hold God back. Like you and I, we can refuse the work of God in our lives. But, but who wants that? Like when you really think about it, I mean, if, if you know the Lord or desire to know the Lord, like don't we all want a deeper relationship, a, a deeper sort of connection with God, with Jesus? Like don't we all want God to transform our lives so that we look a little bit like, more like Jesus each and every day? I mean, that's what the Apostle Paul wants for these Christians in Corinth. Like he wants to help them grow in their faith. You know, and Paul knows that, that giving, that generosity has the potential to catalyze faith and spiritual growth in a really unique way. And so he's encouraging them to give. But notice something about his request because this is important. Verse 8, he says, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And so, again, Paul's challenging them to give and be generous, but he's not demanding that of them. He doesn't want them to give out of guilt. That's not a good motivation. But instead, Paul says, I want to test the sincerity of your love. Now, love for whom? Well, Paul has a couple of people in mind. Like first, Paul was eager for the people of the church in Corinth to make a financial contribution to a famine relief fund that he was taking for struggling Christians that were living back in Jerusalem. There were people there of, of all kinds that were dying of hunger, of illness, as they lacked all sorts of, of basic necessities, including food. And so Paul's traveling from city to city, collecting this offering so that together these churches, these Christians can help the Christians back in Jerusalem. And so he's about to go back to Corinth to collect their support, and he reminds them that love, not guilt, all right, should be the motivating factor behind their giving. But there's something else about this love that Paul refers to here. Like what he's trying to emphasize is that it's okay to love people, it's okay to love the project, but Paul wants to be sure that they're they're giving out of their love for Jesus. Like they're responding to Jesus' love more than anything else. And so he basically says, give because you love Jesus and let your love for Jesus enable you to see people the way that Jesus sees them, the way that Jesus sees their needs, the way that he sees their hurt. Because, because when you understand what that does to Jesus, like you'll want to be a part of his work too. Like when you truly understand the length that Jesus went to save you, and save others, like you and I won't be able to but respond. We'll have to respond for the sake of him and for the sake of others. And honestly, that's why we give it Genesis. Like that's the motivation. That's the motivation we're aiming for behind our giving here. Like we give because Jesus gave to us. Like he gave his life for us, but we also give because we want to see people the same way that Jesus sees people. And we believe that we are called to be a blessing to others. And that's why, that's why we're given winter supplies to help support food for souls and their efforts to reach those without homes, you know, in the greater Indianapolis area. We're doing that through our love your neighbor event this month. Uh, it's why we give financially to different ministry partners and missionaries and churches locally and around the world every single month. In fact, I wanted to provide for you here just a list of the outreach partners that we support uh, monthly with our financial support and with our people support. And so we serve ministries like Nehemiah Vision Ministries in Haiti and Opportunities Now that serves in Myanmar, Last Bell Ministries in Ukraine, their efforts with uh, those that are, 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 are um, uh, orphans in, in Ukraine, their Shepherd Community 
Center in Indianapolis. Again, there's Food for Souls in Indianapolis and uh, working with Young Life and, and their ministry to serve students here in Hamilton County and then the Cooper House uh, that is working with families and individuals that are fostering and adopting uh, right here in Hamilton County. But we're also supporting and praying for missionaries. Uh, missionaries like Stuart and Amanda Long as they serve in Scotland and David and Carrie Hartman, their work in Central Asia. Ryan Sudsbury, uh, who's working with Go Ministries out of the Caribbean, and Chris Lowe's, who works for Crew here locally and around the world as well. But we're also involved in church planting too, because we believe that church planting is a great play- way to help people find their way back to God. And so we support financially the New Thing Network that's planting churches all around the world right now, and uh, specifically New Heights Church, Pastor Ken Johnson here in Indianapolis, and ICF Church in Albania, and then of course Reality Church, which we showed their highlight video here just a moment ago. That's over $14,000 worth of of monthly support uh, for these ministries. That's over $170,000 annually that we're providing uh, to support these ministries. And we give because Jesus has given to us and he's still giving to us. And God has blessed us so that we as individuals and as a church family can be a blessing to others. And we're just excited that we get to come alongside of these ministries that are also helping people find their way back to God. Just to give you a heads up, we're going to take a Christmas offering starting later this month. It's going to run through the month of of December. And and at the very end of it all, we're going to give all of those funds away, 100% of those funds to, to these ministry partners as an over and above gift for the work that they're doing. And I'm going to ask you today to start praying about your part and how God might want to use you and how he might want to use our church family so that we can be an answer to prayer to these ministries and to these individuals that are serving Jesus so well. Now, many of us assume that if we had more, uh, if we made more, well, then we could give more. But it's not really a how much I have uh, that's the issue. Because when Jesus, again, when Jesus becomes the motivator behind your giving, um, our income level doesn't matter. It's the love for Jesus that, that matters. It's uh, the love for others that matters. Let me, let me tell you a story. A few weeks ago, I, I met someone at one of our services, and she wanted to talk to me after the service, and so we sat down together. She introduced herself, and, and then she told me that she had started attending Genesis back before COVID uh, had even started. But this was her first Sunday back in, in 18 months, and, and she told me a little bit about her life and how she found Genesis, but then she did something that really took my breath away. She reached into her purse and she pulled out an envelope that was just full of cash. And she handed it to me and I said, well, what, what's this? I, what am I supposed to do with this? And she said, this is my offering. She said, uh, giving is really important to me. And so for the past 18 months, I, I've been taking what I would normally give and I've been putting it in this envelope and I'm excited to be back today uh, because I'm ready to give it. This is my offering. This belongs to God. And I was just so humbled in that moment because of her faith and her love for Jesus. And to be honest, I, I want Jesus to do in me what he's doing in her and her love and faithfulness and obedience to God. You know, sometimes our excuse is that, well, people who give more, just they have more. Or if I had more to give, well, then I would give. But that's not true. Like giving is not about what you make. It's not necessarily about what you save. Like 
what, what God's after is he, he wants us to see everything that we have as a gift from Jesus and, and that it's his love working in you and through you that prompts us to give. Again, look at verse 8. Paul says, I'm not commanding you to give, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Now, who are the others that he's talking about? Well, the first few verses of 2 Corinthians 8 tell us. Let's go back to verse 1 for just a moment. Paul begins this chapter by saying, and now brothers and sisters, again, he's talking to the church in Corinth, I want you, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And so Paul's going to use the Macedonian churches as an example here. And these would include the churches of Philippi and Thessalonica and, and Berea. Paul had already been there in Acts chapter 16, and he's collected an offering from them that again was going to be used to serve the famine-stricken people in Jerusalem. But there's something unique about these churches in Macedonia, and Paul mentions it in verse 2. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial, all right, their overflowing joy, again, these churches in Macedonia, and their extreme poverty welled up into generosity. So what's going on here? Well, first, these churches were very poor. And the Apostle Paul uses uh, two words, at least in the NIV, the words extreme poverty. It's the same Greek word that we get our English word bathysphere. And I don't know if that's foreign to you or not, but a bathysphere is a submarine-like device that allows divers to explore the extreme depths of the ocean. And so basically what Paul's getting at here is that these people were in deep poverty, but they were also living under trial. They were living under pressure too. The culture that they were living in kept squeezing them, kept pushing in on them, these Christians and churches out of their disgust for their love and devotion for Jesus. But in spite of those challenges and trials, they gave. And Paul says this at the beginning in verse three, he says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Why'd they give? Paul says they, they couldn't, they couldn't help but give. They were so overwhelmed. They were so overjoyed by the grace they had personally experienced in their lives that these blessings had to come out. See, following Jesus and, and letting him influence your giving is a lot like that. Again, it's not something that we do because we have or we're well off or that we've got something extra. It's not out of guilt or pressure. It's being so overwhelmed by Christ's love his grace and his provision in our lives that you have to act. You've got to do something. You have to respond. And so you have these poor Christians in Macedonia. They're giving even in their poverty. On the other hand, you have this wealthy city in Corinth. Corinth was a very wealthy city full of affluent people. And so it's almost like Paul is saying, hey, are you affluent Corinthians going to let the poor Macedonians outgive you because if they do, it certainly won't be because they've got bigger homes or bigger bank accounts because they've got little to nothing. But what got into the people of Macedonia? Jesus did. His love got a hold of their hearts and their minds and it changed everything about them and for them. 
Genesis Church, we have received so much, so much grace, so much love. God has blessed us in so many different ways. We, we have to, like, we, we want to keep being this channel of blessing and love uh, and of grace for others to see and experience. And so let's not just pray for more money to give away. Let's ask the Lord for greater surrender, you know, more love for him. You know, more love that as we get planted in God's word, as we spend time with him each and every day, like the more that we know God, the more that we understand Jesus and the more we fall in love with him, that we're going to grow like you can't help but grow when you're walking with the Lord. And the more you grow again, the more you become like Jesus and the more we become like Jesus, like you can't, you can't hold back. And just as the Paul wanted the, the Corinthians to excel at something, well, he wants something for us too. Again, what does he say to them in verse 7? He says, but since you excel in everything, again, I, I love what I see in your faith. I love what I see in your speech and knowledge and in complete earnestness and in the love that we have kindled in you. He says this, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. P Paul knew that these people weren't going to grow, at least not grow much more if they didn't allow their faith in Jesus to also influence the way they viewed and treated their money. And in the same way, you and I are not going to grow in our faith or in our relationship with Jesus without committing our finances and the way that we give, the way that we see everything from the Lord to. See, Jesus wants to rule every part of your life. Uh, he wants every part of your life and your heart. He wants every part of, of who I am. Like he, he wants to be the Lord over our thoughts. He wants to be the Lord over our relationships and, and what you do with your life and the college you choose one day. And he, again, he wants to be the Lord. He wants to be the greatest influencer over the way we manage and give our resources. And so here's what I want to challenge you with today. You know, as we wrap up this message and as we kind of consider the season that we're in with Thanksgiving uh, close and, and Christmas and, and the end of the year, I, I'm going to challenge you to consider to pray about at least one of two steps uh, that you might want to take. You know, as you think about what it means to excel in this grace of giving. And this, this applies to everyone. It doesn't matter where you are kind of on this generosity journey. Like maybe you've never given to something, you know, like one of these ministries or to a church like ours before. Maybe you've been given for for a really long time. You know, maybe it's, it's become sort of, of easy for you. Maybe, again, you continue to grow in this area, but, but one of two steps that I think that you or I might be able to take that we can continue growing in this grace of giving. Uh, here, here's what I want to leave you with today. And you get to chew on these and, and pray about them for yourself. The first one is this, that, that you would pray and consider taking a next step. And maybe that next step is to make a gift through our Christmas offering. And again, that's something we're going to start talking about over the next few weeks and we're going to start giving to at the end of the month and again all the way through December we're going to give all of that offering away that offering is going to go to our ministry partners again to bless them to support them in their ministry work what would it look like for you to make a gift this year uh, maybe something like you've never done before through our Christmas offering and maybe that's going to be the first time you've ever given to something like a church. That would be an incredible step for you to take. And we would love for you to join us. We want to be a blessing to others. We want to help many more people find their way back to God. Would you pray about doing that? Taking that next step with us? Again, we're going to show you how to do that in the weeks to come. We'll talk about it so much more. But would you start praying about how God might want to take that next step through you? But let's go back to that slide uh, again, because there's another step uh, I want to uh, challenge you to be praying about as well. And that is to buy less 
than to give more. You know, Christmas is, it's coming. And we're all hearing the news about supply chains and whether things are going to be available or not. Friends, like, what if God wants to do something different in all of us this year, especially as we approach Christmas, that instead of spending hundreds of dollars for a kid or for an individual, maybe you spend more than that, instead of investing so much money in things that maybe we really don't need, what if you were to take some of that money instead and give it, give it to something good, give it to something that spreads the love of Jesus a little bit more, something like our Christmas offering. Maybe there's something else in your life that you would like to give to. Again, I'm going to challenge you to be praying about these next steps so that we can grow together. Like, what's it look like for you and me to respond to the love of Jesus together? Let's, let's allow God to be a blessing through us and let's keep growing uh, and excelling in this grace of giving together. You know, the Dead Sea, we looked at this picture uh, just a few minutes ago. Um, believe it or not, is, uh, it's evaporating today. Uh, it's shrinking back quickly, and it's a pretty big concern around Israel. And there are all sorts of conversations underway about how to preserve it, conversations about how to bring in additional freshwater sources so that it doesn't completely dry up. I don't want to dry up. I don't want my heart to grow cold. I don't want my faith in Jesus to deteriorate. And I don't know where you find yourself spiritually today or how you see the Lord or even what your relationship with him is like right now. Maybe it feels pretty dry. And maybe some of you would say that you feel stuck right now, uh, lost, a little distant from God. But I wonder for you, what part, what role might generosity play in your life? How, how might God might want to use your attitude and your gifts uh, and your giving? Uh, what might he want to do in you to grow your heart? And not just your heart for people and the work that he's doing around us, but ultimately your heart for him. Because Jesus, he became poor so that we could become rich. And he wants to do a work in your heart and in your life, not only to help you excel in the grace of giving, but also to enjoy and to realize the grace that's been extended to you and me and how that changes everything. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love and grace demonstrated for us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the life that you've given to us, the forgiveness that is available to each of us. There is no greater gift that's been given in this world but Jesus. And uh, we want to follow him. Uh, we want to live for him. We want Jesus to be the Lord of every part of our lives. And not just our lives, but to be the Lord of our church, the leader of our church. Help us to keep growing in this love and in this grace, but also to keep growing in the grace of giving. As a response to what you've done for us, what you've given to us, but also so that others might know you and find their way back to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.